Amen. Thank you, Pastor Lynn. Can we say thank you to Pastor Lynn for all that she does with our children? Yeah, she's so good. And I really appreciate all that you guys do, all you who serve uh, in our children's ministry and beyond, because it really takes hearts of people that serve, uh, that allow other people to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if this is your first time to our church here on Wednesday night, we'd like to welcome you. And when you came in, you might have been given a, a piece of paper. And usually what we try to do is take some notes so that we can remember what we've learned. Uh, some of you will use the church app, and you have downloaded that onto your smart device or whatever you have. And then uh, some of you, you just go by memory. I am amazed. Some of you, you just you get them. You just you know it. And when God speaks to you, you take it and you work on it. But I'm so thankful that we can gather here today, uh, tonight. Uh, I do want to remind us coming up on August 13th, is, oh, is it 16th? Uh, it's the 16th, is our uh, worship night called Commissioned. And that is going to be, of course, in here. And we're kicking off a new series, bringing our Foursquare Convention home here. So all the general sessions and uh, some of the talks that we had in Washington, D.C., uh, we were able to purchase the videos, and then we're going to watch it together so that collectively all of us can be on the same page in what God is doing through Foursquare, our denomination, but also in the wonderful teachings that were given and just powerful times. We'll have some fun that night. We'll do some Q&A on some of the weeks. So it's going to be a great series, and we're kicking off on the 16th with worship night, and it's going to be worship all the way through. Uh, sometimes people will come to our worship nights and ask, you know, what about prayer times? Well, what we're going to do that night is allow God to do something uh, specific in you and so we're going to invite you to come up to what we call the altar and if you read the old testament you'll understand why we call it the altar that's where they would sacrifice the animals now we're not sacrificing you what we're doing is we're sacrificing the junk that kind of piles up in our life and we offer that to god and we say lord can you just take this from me i lay it down at the altar and so we leave it at his feet so we do like a, a we do a physical representation of what is happening spiritually so we get out of our seats we we kneel down or maybe we'll stand or or some people will just kind of uh, prostrate themselves and and get low to the ground and and just sit before the lord and just lay it out before him and say god can you take this junk from me or or replenish my soul whatever it would be it's your time with the lord and we'll have people praying throughout the night but it gives you that specific one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord. And I can't tell you how refreshing that is. I do that often. And yes, I'm a pastor, but I'm also a person who still needs Jesus every single day of my life. So coming to the altar makes a big difference because I get to learn from God and at the same time allow him to replenish my soul uh, in, the, in the context of our worship to him. So that's going to be August 16th. And so prepare for that because that's going to be a great night as we kick off our series on commissioned and really what that means is we're commissioned by god to go out into the world and reach people for him he's given us that assignment in fact that's what we're talking about tonight so if you want to open your bibles or, or take out your notes we're actually going to be in the book of corinthians second corinthians chapter three and this series we're calling it letters from god and bunny spoke last week and she just basically talked about how god has given us an assignment that we are letters from him and that, yes, we're going to have some fears, but also we can conquer those fears. And we're likened to letters from God in the book of Corinthians. And the Bible tells us you're like letters from God. And what the Bible is talking about is that we have an effect on this life. And so in this series, we want to see 
how we live this life as being letters from God and being people who go out into the world and almost like allow people to read our life because people do. We do that all the time. We read people's lives. We'll, we'll see someone come at us, and if they're, if they're uh, coming at us with a mean face, we already take it they're mad. If they come with us with a pleasant face, with a cake and some candles, they're going to sing happy birthday. If they, came, if they come with flowers, then that better be your spouse giving you flowers or maybe someone saying, you know, happy birthday, whatever it is. But usually we can tell and read someone in how they're approaching us. And God says that's who you are going to be to the world. As believers, you're going to be letters that represent me. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is God's purpose in me. God's purpose in you. What is God's purpose in your life? Because sometimes we'll say, well, what is God? What, what do you want me to do? Like, it would be so simple if every morning you woke up and God had a to-do list. And we could just read it. Okay, do this, do that. Oh, I can obey you, Lord. That's simple. I can do that. But it almost seems like we have to guess, what does God want me to do? What does he want me to become? Who am I becoming? Am I supposed to do this or that? And it's, it's where God says, no, it's, if I give you a to-do list, you'll draw close to the list and not me. You, you'll almost like own the list, and if you do well, you did the list. You checked it off. And if you didn't do well, you'll be like, oh, shucks, I didn't do that one. So it almost becomes where the list becomes your God. In other words, if there is a to-do list, then it'll actually show us how bad we are. Because we're not going to be able to live up to the standard of this to-do list. In other words, God gave us a to-do list. He gave us 10 things to do. We know it as the Ten Commandments. Right. Do we obey the Ten Commandments? Not all of them. But the Bible says you disobey one. You disobey them all. So yeah, God gave us a to-do list. And so what he says is this, the law, actually shows you your sin. But Jesus came not to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. In other words, he's saying, you're going to need my spirit in, in order to connect to God rather than just to the to-do list or the law. You're going to need my spirit. And in order for us to know God's purpose in our lives, we're going to have to connect with God somehow. And there is a reason for every single person here tonight. We have here at New Hope what we call ministries. We have our youth ministries, our children's ministries, men's ministry, women's ministry. We have a food ministry, believe it or not. We have a food ministry. We have a van or a shuttle service ministry. So we have different ministries, hula ministry and and uh, these ministries are here so that we, as the body of Christ, can utilize our gift in our attempts to reach our family and friends. That's why we do what we do. Our worship team, this ministry, our worship ministry, or what we call front lines ministry, is here so that they can do whatever they've been called to do in their God-given gift so that when we invite our family and friends, we partner with you in your attempts to reach them for Christ. So that when you bring them to church, we can worship together. They can be touched by the love of God, and then they can connect with Him. We'll give a wonderful message that's relatable, something that people can take home in bite-sized chunks that they can relate to so that the hope is that they would find Christ. And so your purpose is far greater than just what you may think. Now, some of us, the Bible says we have different types of talent, and it uses it in a weights and measure kind of way. And it talks about where the, the one person had one talent, one had 
two talents and one had five. Or maybe it was one, three, and five. It was uh, uh, talents that were given in different numbers. So maybe some of us have one talent. We're a one talented person, but you are very talented in that one talent. And you might be thinking, I don't, I don't know what my talent is. I, 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 I don't know. I, I love talking to people. Then that's your talent. You can, you can talk really, really good and long. So that's a good talent to have, and that can be used for God. You might be thinking, well, I, I play an instrument, but I, didn't, I, don't, I don't think I can do what they do. Or I, I, can, I can cook, but I, how, do, how do I use that for God? Well, these are things or talents that you may have that you use daily that you never thought you could use for God. And God's purpose for you is far greater than your own personal life. That even though you may have giftings and talents, maybe a one-talented person, five-talented person, really the end of the story was, were you faithful with those talents? Or did you bury it? And those who used their talents and invested it wisely, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. See, we all have a talent somewhere. We all have a purpose in God. If you're a believer, God's purpose for believers in the world, really when it comes down to it, is to reach other people for Him. It really comes down to that. And we are considered purposeful letters from God to the rest of the world. Now, doesn't it make a difference with what kind of letter you're writing? Like if you're writing a letter of recommendation, you might write something like, to whom it may concern. I really believe that uh, Tom Krieger is a wonderful person or candidate for this job position. I could say, after the years I've known Tom, and you write a letter of recommendation. But if you're writing a love letter, if I'm writing a love letter to Heidi, my wife, I won't say, to whom it may concern. I actually write it, I put down her name, and I'll write specific things. And that's what God says you and I are in this world. It's not just a letter of recommendation that we're saying to people, oh, it'd be so great if you came to know Jesus. No, what we're saying is there is a God who loves you and knows you by name. He's that specific. And he is that that intimate with us where he wants to be with us. That's the whole point of Jesus coming to this earth is that God wanted a relationship with us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, it says that you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, and he's referring to the Ten Commandments, but on tablets of human hearts. In other words, Paul the Apostle is actually writing to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, listen, you, the church, you're, you're, you're the letters. Your, your life are letters from God, and you're going into the world, and, and people are going to see your life, and, and they get to see God's change in you, and you're, you're, you're basically living in front of people, and they're reading your life as a letter from God. And now I think for some of us, we're thinking, well, I don't know if I want that. I don't, I don't want people looking at my life thinking if they're going to follow God or not. Well, sorry to tell you, as a believer, that's your responsibility. God gave that to you and I. Now, will we fall short? Absolutely. The Bible actually tells us we all fall short of the glory of God, every single one of us. But thanks be to God that Jesus is the one we point people to. Jesus is the actual one in which we are referring to people as this letter in our life, as it were. And every single one of us are given a purpose by God so that others can find him. 
And we can all fulfill that purpose by remembering these three simple actions. Here's the first one. To lead a well-read life. A well-read life. I know we could say, oh, lead a well-led life. But no, lead a well-read life. In other words, that people, when they see us and they read our life, it's a well-read life. Now, I would be the first to raise my hand and say, I have a horrible, horrible past. I've done some things that I'm not proud of, and it brought me closer to Jesus Christ. I cried out to him because I could not do anything with this sinful nature that I had. And so I had to come close to Christ. And if my life were a newspaper, I wonder, or if it was a newspaper headline, I wonder what it would read. I wonder what my life would read. Just think to yourself, what would my headline be? If, it was, if there were a headline, maybe it would say life changed. Uh, maybe it would say uh, marriage restored. Maybe it would say brother of the year. You're, that, you're just that good with people. Sister of the decade. You know, you have these headlines on your head. Or maybe parent of the year or loving father. Whatever that headline would be. Maybe we all have some type of headline that we put on, our, on ourselves every single morning. And sometimes we're not proud of what we put on our headline. But I can tell you this, that Jesus is constantly willing to change our headline so that it reads for his glory. And I think for all of us, if we were able to come close to God and say, well, I I want to have a well-read life, then to show Christ to people, we wouldn't need to put on anything but Christ. We won't need to put on an act to people. All we need to do is say, Lord, this is the life you've given to me. Help me to live a well-read life. So when people read my life, they are basically reading who you are. When we do something good for God, glorify him. Praise his name. When you worship him, be thankful for everything that he has done. And I know for some of us, sometimes we'll come into a setting like this, and I've done this before. You're not in the best mood. You just came from a fight or you're fighting or you came from bad news or maybe you struggled to get here, or something is happening, and then there's worship, and it's like, I don't feel like worshiping God. So you, you struggle with that. But I, I can tell you this. The moments that I pressed through and said, Lord, regardless of what's taking place, I'm going to thank you for my life anyway. Because you have promises for me that I have yet to accomplish or I've yet to receive. So I'm going to live today as if I'm in the promises tomorrow. And after a while, you be, you'll begin to see that, wait a minute, I'm living out God's promises. Why? Because now I'm living a life that is well-read, that I have something for people to read, that I'm able to thank God for. Otherwise, even though we may love God, if we're not constantly thanking Him and appreciating Him, we're going to begin to complain. And we'll even complain about God or we'll complain to God and we'll develop a spirit of unthankfulness and we'll say to God things like, boy, you know, how come they have and I don't have? Or how come that person got the promotion? They're the worst person that works here. How in the world did they get promoted? And we'll say things like that or we'll say, Lord, she needs to say I'm sorry. She did this. And then she will say, Lord, he needs to say he's sorry because he did that. And you'll go back and forth and we almost develop a complaining spirit rather than a life that says, Lord, I'm so thankful. And when people see that, it's a well-read life. And it takes a lot out of us to actually come to that place where we have a well-read life. Otherwise, we will default to our flesh. 
But when we draw close to God and we hear His voice, now we're able to change headlines. We're able to live that lifestyle. Psalm 103, verse 2 tells us to bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. In fact, the Bible is actually telling us to do this. It's not saying if you feel good, then bless the Lord. In fact, the psalmist is saying to his soul, bless the Lord. But I don't feel like it. I'm not asking what you feel. I'm saying bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't forget any of his benefits. Well, I, I don't know his benefits. Too bad. You bless the Lord. I don't feel like it, but you bless the Lord. I don't want to. I just bless the Lord. I don't even know this song. Just worship me. Worship me. And you, you'll sense God saying that. Just If you're worshiping me and you're blessing me, your soul catches up later. It'll catch up later. Your attitude will begin to change. Your mindset will change. And after a while, you're living a well-read life. Because it has nothing to do with feelings. It has everything to do with my choice to say to God, you're worthy of all praise for me to bless you. And when my soul and emotions are in the way, you say, nope, I'm going to bless the Lord anyway. And then he comes in and he does wonders. Psalm 107 verse 2 says to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In other words, those of us who have been redeemed say something about it. Thank God for it. Just let him know. And even if we're worshiping in a setting like this or when we're singing songs, that's a great time to let God know how thankful you are or to bless his name or to let the redeemed say so. You can do it in the setting of your own home, that you're a redeemed person, so you're living that kind of way. And people see that change and you're living a well-read life. See, when you live out this this lifestyle you 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 basically don't want to go back to it the old the old way when you're living a well-read life you don't want to go backwards when you're blessing the lord and you see his promises his benefits you don't want to go backwards we know what that's like we've been there but it's so difficult because our flesh pulls us in that direction that's why when we say i'm going to bless the lord regardless of my flesh what we're doing is we're strengthening the spirit which when we do by default we weaken the flesh and we won't go back to the old ways why because we're strengthening our spirit every single day i I remember there was a time where i was in the youth ministry and we we purchased i think 600 chickens uh they were i mean not not alive chickens we were going to make huli huli chicken for a fundraiser, 600 chickens. And we had this container in the back. So we put all the chickens in there. And we put it, I think we put it in like on a Friday or something. So Friday, we put that in there. And then I think Friday night, somewhere on the weekend, the refrigerator, the coolant thing died. So Saturday and Sunday came, nothing really bad because, you know, it, it hadn't spoiled then but I think it was already going bad. And then we're not here on Monday, and then Tuesday, we're here. So we come in Tuesday, and I'm walking in the back, and I'm thinking, what in the world is that smell? Like, I have a dog nose for some reason. Some of you are the same. You can smell, like, from yards away, and no one else can smell it. But I'm thinking, what in the world is that? So I'm walking around, I'm thinking, what is that? And then I'm looking at the container, and it was right back here, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, no way. No way. Why don't I hear the, you know, the, the, the refrigerator on in this big container? <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, some, something's not right. 
Now, if you're, if you're kind of grossed out by now, I apologize, but you're stuck here, so I'm going to finish. <laughs> on the corner of the, of the container, just things were dripping, and then a whole bunch of flies were coming, and then when we opened the container, it was bad. It was bad. So, like a wonderful person, I called Pastor Marsha, and I said, Pastor Marsha, you got to check this out. We got we to gotta clean, clean this thing out. And so a couple of us came, and it was so bad. So we're trying to clean this thing out, and I'm squirting it down with um, water, and, and we're, now we're bringing in Clorox and all these different things. And uh, it was so bad that when we called the company and we said, hey, we just want to let you know that the refrigerator thing kicked out, and we tried to clean it out, and it was just it was bad. And we told them what happened, and they said, Oh, you just, all you needed to do was call us. We could have come up. I said, what? I said, yeah, if you called us, we could have taken it. We would have cleaned it out because those were uh, toxic chemicals. It was methane gas at that point. And then they said this, you could have died. I said, what? They said, yeah, you, you, it was that bad. You could have died. And I said, well, praise the Lord then. I'm not, I'm not dead. I mean, I lost some brain cells, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm still living. And so we laugh at that story now. We tell it to our staff and to remind them, you know, to always make sure things are working. But I, I look back at that incident, and here's what I learned. We do things different now because of that one situation. We do things different. But if that ever happened again, I would not go back in there ever, ever again. I will call the hazard company or the, you know, the chemical hazard company. Or I, I, I would call someone and tell them, go, go do this. We will pay you because I don't want to die. I don't want to put myself in that position. Now, here's what happens. In life, in life, there are things that will go wrong. And my life is filled with bad things. And there's, a, there's almost like a rotting or a spoiling in my heart. And then I just, my life stinks. It's just that bad. And then when it's that bad, thanks be to God that he comes in and he cleans out. But then what he does is he cleans it out, and after that, he says, now follow me. But I wonder how many of us at times will say, but I'm going to go back. And we've forgotten the benefits of the Lord how good he is that he has cleaned us out. We've forgotten our purpose, our value. And then we go back to our old ways. And God says, you, you are putting yourself back into the position of dying again. In other words, he's saying, if you want to live a well-read life, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. You continuously praise his name and let the redeemed of the Lord said that the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. God has redeemed us. So why would I want to go backwards? So let him clean out all the junk and let him do what he's gonna do. Because he he cleans us out the best. Don't go back to the pit. Stay close to the love of God. The second thing we got to remember is to remember who we are in Christ. It's just that simple. That you, you should never forget who you are in Jesus. Remember who you are in Christ. Not who you are in your family, not who you are in the workplace, not who you are in the public or with other people or on social media, not who you are with your children, although important. It's remembering who you are in Christ. 
Because that's going to make all the difference. It's who you are in Jesus Christ. Because we easily forget who we are in Christ. We easily forget that. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm just going to ask for your participation. Any of you in, like, full-time ministry, just raise your hand, you're, like, in, in full-time ministry. That's your, okay, a couple of you, you're in full-time ministry. Okay, now I'm going, to, I'm going to read a scripture to all of us, and I'll ask this question again. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 through 10 tells us this. In everything we do, so it leaves nothing out, right? It's in, in everything we do, in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked in ex exhaustion, endangered, uh, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. Kind of sounds like some of us already. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience and kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love, we faithfully preach the truth, God's power working in us. And God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our heart aches, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We owe nothing, and yet we have everything. So it starts off with letting us know who we are. That we are, in everything we do, that we show that we are true ministers of God. We are true ministers of God. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you are in full-time ministry. So let me ask that question again. How many full-time ministers do we have? Raise your hand. Okay, let's put our hands down. So let me say this again. So those of you who believe in Jesus, you are a full-time minister. Now let's see this again. How many of us are full-time ministers for God? You're full-time ministers. Yeah, it should be all of us who say we believe in Jesus. Why? Because he calls us full-time ministers. We are, in everything we do, full-time ministers for God. Now you might be thinking, oh, I don't, I don't qualify. I don't, I don't, I don't have a, a degree. I don't, I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to say. You know, it was once said that the best sermon ever given was your lifestyle the best sermon ever given is your lifestyle so for all of us yeah we're ministers to god and and so we may wonder well how do we do this well let's just let's just break it down for a moment let's just say you are a, a school teacher and you're a full-time minister this is what god does he's so good at this he's so brilliant god takes a full-time minister and then disguises them as a school teacher and then he says now be a full-time minister disguised as a teacher. What? Yeah, you're a, you're a full-time minister. You're disguised as a teacher. You're, you're a full-time minister. Oh, where do you work? Uh, I, I, I work at the cashier. I work at the register. Perfect. So I'm going to take you, a full-time minister for me. I'm going to disguise you as a cashier person. So now in line, you're going to minister to people. 
I don't want to minister to people. What do I say? You welcome them. You show them my love. Even when you take their money, take it with love. You do it in such a way that you're a full-time minister for me. You're a police officer. Yeah, okay, so full-time minister disguised as a police officer. And now you represent me in your community. So we may look at who we are or what we do, and we, we tend to forget that we're all full-time ministers disguised to be full-time ministers in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces. So when you go to work tomorrow, in the back of your mind, they may say, hey, get on the machine. And you're thinking, hey, I'm a full-time minister. <laughs> disguised as working the machine. So you, you kind of have that in you. And so whatever you do, whatever you do, in everything we do, we're ministers to God. Now, why does God do that? Why does God take a full-time minister and then disguise them? Well, you will probably reach more people that are close to you than a pastor could ever do. You, full-time minister, disguised in whatever position you have. Because anything that we have is from the Lord. Every good and precious gift comes from God. And God is the one who rises us up and takes us down. He promotes us. Promotion comes from the Lord. So he'll take us as full-time ministers and disguise us. And here's why. Because they're going to build a trust with you more than they would with a pastor first. Because you understand them. Now you might be thinking, but I don't, I don't work at a place. I'm, I, I take care of my children. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, full-time minister disguised as a stay-home mom. And you have a congregation, your children. So you should take up some tithes and offerings from your kids. You should just ask them for some. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're actually ministering to your children. You're a full-time minister disguised in whatever way because God has a purpose for you. And you might, you might be thinking, but I, I never thought of it that way. So what, what do I do? I mean, how do I, how do I live up to that standard? Here's, here's the last thing that we can write down is to just live by the Spirit of God. Live by the Spirit of God. It doesn't mean you have to do, it doesn't have to mean you, you become this holy person. It just means you're living by the Spirit of God, which means you're, you're, you're constantly pressing towards God and you're, you're denying the flesh. Or even better, you're just, you're strengthening your spirit so that your flesh begins to weaken because whatever you feed is going to become stronger. Whatever you build up is going to be stronger. So if you're constantly building up your spirit, you're living by the spirit of God, your flesh just can't keep up with you. Oh, your flesh will still be there. As we often say, your spirit is saved, but your flesh still comes along. Your flesh never gets saved, but it hangs on to you. Kind of like your two-year-old when they're like whiny. He's like, oh, mommy, daddy. And you're like, go sleep, <laughs> take a nap. And they're just you're dragging on you. And you don't care, you just walk around with your kid. And you just walk around with them. But what they're doing is they're saying, I, I just want to stay attached to you. That's what our flesh does to us. It wants to stay attached to us. And our spirit is saying, I, I want to follow you. Help me, God, to, to follow your spirit. I remember uh, driving and re I, was, I was so reminded that my flesh is still attached to me. So we're driving and there's a, a long line of cars in front of me. And I'm thinking, why are we going so slow? And we're in a 45-mile-an-hour zone, and we're going 30, 35. So I'm thinking, okay, at least we're going fast. No, we slow back down. I'm thinking, like, what's happening? What is, what is causing this slow motion? And so we're heading around a bend, and I can see about maybe 20 cars in front of me. And in the front of us is a moped rider. 
Now, if you're a moped rider, please forgive me for this story. And if this was you, forgive me even more. So they were in the front of this entire long line of trained cars. Just like a long line of cars. Long time was waiting. Long, forever. So 30 miles an hour, 35. And so as we're driving, we come to a, a, where it comes two lanes. So I'm thinking in my head, oh, poor person who's on that moped. People are going to be screaming at them, you know, yelling out the window, honking their horns and things like that. And, and um, so I'm watching, and sure enough, the moped person pulls over to the other lane, and people are passing, but I, I can't hear if people are yelling, but I'm trying to imagine what they're saying and thinking, ooh, that must be bad. Oh, that one must be, oh, that, that's probably ungodly on that one. Oh, that person, oh, my goodness, I, I, pity, I pity the moped driver right now. I feel sorry for that person. And so now I'm, I'm all worked up too. And I'm thinking, what, what can I say? Like, Lord, Lord, what can I say that I'm not sinning? Like, can I say something? Like, like something at least kind. Like, hey, chai mu. Like, how do I say something that's, that's like, I don't want to be, like, because the worst thing can happen is I roll down my window and I go, hey, and they go, hey, Pastor Sean, go, hey, God bless you. You know, what would, I, what would I do at that moment? So I didn't, I didn't, I really didn't know what to do. So I thought, maybe I can honk the horn kindly. <laughs> so... I, I passed by it. The moment, I, and I've never honked my horn like this, and I can't even remember. So I'm passing by, and, I, and I'm smiling. I do like a beep kind of thing. Like, and, and wouldn't it be great if, if horns could talk? Like if it could actually say what we're wanting to say, because what I wanted to say is, in, in, in the honk, I wanted to say, hey, you know, if you were able to move over to the side, then a lot of us, we, we could have went past you, and it would have been safe also because there's a lot of room on the side, but it can only be summed up with honk. So that's what I did. I, I, was, I was hoping he could, like, you know, catch the, but just kept me and not even paying attention. So, and the moment I honked my horn, the moment I honked my horn, I felt the Spirit of God say this. Oh, this is so good. He said, you may not have spoken it, but you did say it. I said, what did I say? What? He said, he said you know what you said. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I know, I know what I said. And it wasn't good. And I thought right after that, I thought how quickly our flesh shows up in times where it's dragging alongside of us. Like our, our flesh is waiting like a hungry animal to pounce. It's always waiting and so I thought, what, what could have I done different? Because I think we all find ourselves in those situations, and I don't know what I would have done different or what I could have done. I know I can learn from this definitely, but I thought, how often will I bring that into my marriage where my flesh is just ready to pounce on, on, on someone else or my wife, and I want to say something, and, and so I, I may not say it, but I honk, and I live in a different way. Oh, she don't like cook dinner tonight. Fine fine. I'm not going to give her all the paycheck. And if we don't say it, we just hold it. It's like a honk. That's our, that's our horn. It's just honk. And then the, and you just feel that tension in the, in the house, and you don't know what's happening. Someone honked the horn. That's what happened. Someone just honked the horn. They didn't say anything, but it's just a slight honk. <laughs> or maybe, maybe, maybe someone said something to you, and you say, oh, they didn't want to say that to me. Then, okay, I'm going to spread rumors about honk. 
And we're going to spread rumors about them. We're going to gossip. Somebody posts something about me on Facebook. Oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm not going to say their name. I'm just going to say, some people today, and then you, and then you hashtag it, uh, junk friend forever. Something like that. You, we will think of something to like almost on the edge of, we don't want to say it because we're Christians, but we, we, we camouflage it behind a honk of the horn, as it were. But really, it's our, it's our flesh. And God is saying, live by my spirit. Remember who you are. And even though they may not recognize you or even know what just happened, you do. Because I want to see your life and read a well-read life. It's not about everybody else. It's what is, what is God doing in and through us? Romans 8, 12 tells us, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are God, uh, Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father, which is like saying Daddy. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. See, we're, we're ministers unto God, not honkers in the flesh. We're ministers to God. We have a purpose that God wants us to live in such a way that people see that we, we have a well-read life, that we would never forget who we are in Christ. And to live by His Spirit is constantly following His lead. Being in settings like this where we can learn and grow together in the Lord, learn through scriptures, praying. And you know when we pray at the end of times like this, it, it's powerful. God moves in our heart. Take that, own it, and live by it. Follow His Spirit. Get into the Word of God. Worship times. I know we try to get up here as, as quick as possible. We're working. Children have soccer practice and things like that. Uh, just do your very best and, and get into times of worship because it does something to our soul. But more than that, it connects us with God so that we can live by His Spirit because we all have a purpose in God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. You can close your Bibles. And I'm going to call Glenn to the keyboard and I've read this story before, but I love this story because it so reminds me of who God has called me to be and, and that there are people out there that we don't know what they go through, but he has a purpose for all of us. And he has a purpose for why you are at where you're at, the people that you work with. And even the people that probably give you the hardest time, probably give you the hardest time because they're going through a hard time. And it takes people like us as believers to really understand someone else, not so that we know everything that they're doing or what's happening in their life, but, but to remember who we are, that God is going to use us in, in great ways. I'll read this story, and some of you have heard it before, but I never tire of this one. And it reads like this. It says, One day when I was a freshman in high school, I saw a kid from my class, and he was walking home from school. His name was Kyle. It looked like he was carrying all of his books. I thought to myself, why would anyone bring home all his books on a Friday? He must really be a nerd. 
Well, I had quite a weekend plan, parties, a football game with my friends tomorrow afternoon, so I, I just shrugged my shoulders and, and went on. Well, as I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids running toward him, and they ran at him, knocking him down, and all of his books flew out of his arms, landed in the dirt. His glasses went flying, and I, I saw them land in the grass about 10 feet from him. He looked up, and I saw this terrible sadness in his eyes. My heart went out to him, so I, I jogged over to him, and, and as he crawled around looking for his glasses, I, I saw a tear in his eye. And as I handed him his glasses, I said, those guys are jerks. They really should get lives. He looked at me and said, hey, thanks. Well, there was a big smile on his face. It was, it was one of those smiles that, that showed real gratitude. As I helped him pick up his books, I, I asked him where he lived. Well, as it turned out, he lived near me, so I asked him why I'd never seen him before. Well, he said, well, I've, I've gone to a public school, a private school before now, so I would never have hung out with a private school kid before. So we, we talked all the way home, and I carried some of his books. He turned out to be a pretty cool kid. Well, I asked him if he wanted to play a little football with my friends, and he said, yeah, sure. We hung out all weekend, and, and the more I got to know Kyle, the more I liked him, and my friends thought the same of him. Well, Monday morning came, and there was Kyle with a huge stack of books again, and I, I stopped him, and I said, boy, you're really going to build some serious muscles with this pile of books every day. Well, he just laughed and handed me half the books. Well, over the next four years, Kyle and I became best friends. When we were seniors, we began to talk about college. Kyle decided on Georgetown and I was going to Duke. I knew that we would always be friends, that miles would never be a problem. He was going to be a doctor and I was going for business on a football scholarship. Kyle was valedictorian of our class. I teased him all the time about being such a nerd. He had to prepare for a speech for graduation. I was so glad that it wasn't me having to get up there and speak graduation day I saw Kyle he looked great he looked like one of those guys that really found himself during high school and he really filled out and actually looked good in glasses he had more dates than I had and the girls loved him I got jealous all the time well today was one of those days I could see that he was nervous about his speech so I smacked him on the back and said hey big guy you'll be great he looked at me with one of those looks, you know, the really grateful one. And he smiled and he said, thanks. As he started his speech, he cleared his throat and began. <clears throat> Graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through those years. Your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. I'm here to tell you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give them. And I'm going to tell you a story. Well, I just looked at my friend with disbelief as he told the story of the first day we met. He had actually planned to end his life over the weekend, and he talked of how he had cleaned out his locker room so his mom wouldn't have to do it later. And he was actually carrying all of his stuff home. He looked hard at me and gave me a little smile, and and he said, thankfully, I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. I heard a gasp go through the crowd. 
as this handsome, popular boy told us all about his weakest moment. I saw his mom and dad looking at me and smiling that same grateful smile. Not until that moment did I realize the depth of being a friend to someone I didn't even know. You know, God has surrounded us with so many different kinds of people. He surrounded us with people that are like-minded, some people that are just acquaintances, and maybe some people who are opposite of us. But although he changes the environment, he never changes our assignment. How many full-time ministers here tonight? Raise your hand. Yeah. Imagine if all of us go out into the world, wherever we may be, and love people toward the heart of God. It would change everything about our community, our island, our state, and world. You matter that much to God. Regardless of our past, God is more concerned about our future because we are all letters from God. Amen. You pray with me. Bow your heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we can be in a setting like this. And for times like this, we know that you have a plan and a purpose for us all. And because of this plan and purpose, there are certain things that probably we live by fear in. And so tonight, Lord, we, we want to be the kinds of people that we, we live a well-read life. In other words, Lord, we want to live in such a way that, that people see our good works and glorify you in heaven. May we never forget who we are in you, that we will bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of your benefits, your promises in who you are, that we would live by your spirit. And those who have given their hearts to you, Lord, we have crucified the flesh along with the passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, Lord, let us also walk by the spirit. That's our heart's cry tonight, Lord. And so I pray that for every single one of us gathered here tonight because we all have a purpose. We are all full-time ministers disguised to go into the world and reach people for you. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said together, amen. Can we thank our Lord for being the greatest God to give us a purpose for living? I'm so thankful. And I pray for all of us that as we continue to do so, even more people will come to know him as Lord and Savior. That is the greatest, greatest commission that you and I will ever have is to go out into the world and reach people for him. Could you say amen to that?